Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the same. You could never understand. Feel the fortune flowing. A bicycle is an unparalleled merger of a toy, a utilitarian vehicle, and sporting equipment. The bicycle can be used in so many ways and approaches perfection in each use. For instance, the bicycle is the most efficient machine ever created. Converting calories into gas, a bicycle gets the equivalent of 3,000 miles per gallon. A person pedalling a bike uses energy more efficiently than a gazelle or an eagle. And a triangle-framed bicycle can easily carry... 10 times its own weight, a capacity no automobile, aeroplane or bridge can match. Slow down that cadence. Sit up a little bit, take a breath. Change up a gear if you have to. You're listening to the Arabug Radio Show here on 3CR. Streaming or podcasting or listening to the training in the kitchen. Many thanks to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now. Almost as thrilling as Watergate at the moment in the US, but let's move on <laughs> from that quickly. Now today we've got a special show coming up today. Luckily for me, I'm two candidates for standing for um, Bicycle Network uh, spots on the board. One of them, Faith Hunter. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. And one of them, Brooke. Oh, sorry, Jessica Brooke. <laughs> Jessica, how are you? <laughs> oh, hi, Val. Uh, Jenica, J- sorry. Janika. 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 Oh, there we go. It's Monday. It's Monday, the 7th of October. <laughs> Sorry, Jenica. (laughs) We will have a good show today. (laughs) Had to break it up pretty quickly. Faith. Yes. What's news? Bicycle moment wise. Bicycle moment. Get off this moment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, my bicycle moment was um, pretty not wildly exciting, but this morning I just, I don't know if it was last week's warm weather or, but just suddenly. You know, you have that week in spring where just suddenly there's twice as many cyclists on the bike path as in the previous weeks. And yep. um, 
on the Capital City Trail. That yep. was definitely the case this morning. Some uh, yep. long queues of riders coming through and lots and lots of uh, yeah riders of all types. It's a great time of the year. Yeah. Yeah, always good to see. They might have, if they were all thinking last week, oh, it's nice and warm, I'll ride again, they might have been a tad disappointed this morning. But No, it's still warm enough. Oh, it is warm yeah, enough, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. Jenica, you got something to share with us, yeah, bicycle-wise? Absolutely. So I think uh, this time of year there's a lot of talk about magpies, but I've been seeing a lot of different birds around. So I ride in on the Mooney Ponds Trail um, for some of my commute and I've been seeing little blue wrens and willy wagtails and this morning I had a pair of ducks fly (laughs) just (laughs) over my head (laughs) as I was riding along and it was just really beautiful. So that's Uh, what I love about riding to work. um, I've got a lovely friendly magpie at my local park who usually comes up to me when the two dogs are away a bit and cages a little bit of dog treat off me. Um, In my local park I saw two... Um, rum parrot, parrot hatchlings yesterday. Oh, wow. That's oh, beautiful. No, just sitting mm. there tweeting away. And then the dirty little noisy miners came and scared <laughs> them away. <laughs> oh, my, my, my bike moment is quite similar to Faith in that I usually, from work, I usually ride home the quickest way, which means busy roads, traffic. Tuesday, Wednesday, I thought, oh, no, I'm not riding home through this way. I rode through Edinburgh Gardens both days, and by, it must have been about quarter past six, I would have said there are between 500, 700 people in Edinburgh Gardens all sitting down having picnics, circles of bikes everywhere. Just riding through that and seeing this sort of spontaneous takeover of everybody, let's go to the park. It was just wonderful. And instead of rushing home, I took my time riding down through there. So that was good. Very nice. Faith, well, we got a little bit of news. A bit of news, yeah. Um, this is uh, from a little more than a week ago, but I don't think we've had a chance to mention it. The 2019 National Cycling Participation Ooh. Survey results were out. So the survey's been done since 2011. Um and cycling in Australia is in decline. Now, these results include recreational as well as um, transport cycling. So in 2019, 13.8% of people surveyed said they rode a bike in the past week, down from 15.5% in 2017, which is the last time the survey was done. It's down 5% from when it was first done in 2011. Um, when 18.2% of people said they had ridden a bike in the past week. So um, an interesting survey. We'll put a link up to it if people want to have a look at it in more detail. But uh, not good news. Not good news. Uh, I feel bad about following this up with this, actually, (laughs) now that you mention it. Um, I know this is America, and I know everything doesn't translate um, across at the same time. There's been about a 41% increase in pedestrian deaths in America in the last 10 years. And the number sits around about 6,000 or 6,200, I think. It's a pretty big jump in 10 years. And especially when I've come across a figure the other day that in that time about $80 billion has been spent on car design, making safer, and car infrastructure. It seems to be a not much of a... Um, result for that 
Speaking of this, we all know that in Australia it runs between about uh, pedestrians, about 170, 196 of the two highest years. Well, 170 is last year, I think, but it hovers around there. Yep. Uh, also coming up in the news is the uh, Australian Walking and Cycling Conference, which is going to be on in Adelaide um, over two days later this month. So I won't go into detail about it now, but if you do want to hear Jeremy Miller of the conference talking to Chris about what it's going to be covering and what you can expect there, then uh, you could listen to last week's podcast, which I'll put a link up to as well because Chris had a great discussion with him and I'm sure I think um, the rise in pedestrian deaths will be something that will be uh, addressed there. And this is why people like Melbourne City Council are pushing to make, especially the inner city, Mm. you know, more pedestrian friendly. Yeah. Well, our cars are becoming more dangerous for those outside of them. Yeah. And the way, you know, we market cars as a lifestyle thing and using your phone in your car is seen as some sort of, you know, someone. I saw someone else talking about in America where... um, Cars were marketed as having this big screen so you could watch, still watch your favourite movie and all yeah. that sort of thing. So it's, you know, it's it's the lounge room mm. ethos. and uh, We just need the robot to sit up the front. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and one last piece of news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, coming up in Footscray next weekend is the opening of the Quarry Park Trails. So this is a a really nice little project um, on the recommissioned TIP site. Uh, So there's a skills park, a pump track and a whole heap of trails. So it'll be a great place for all sorts of riders, like whether you want to do BMX or mountain bike or just have a ride around. So the opening is on Saturday the 12th of October. Um, and that'll be well worth checking out. And you'll be able to get to it from the trail on the Maribyrnong River, I think, so that's that it. makes yep. it accessible for lots of people to get to. Yeah. Awesome to have something so close to the city. Get out your old copy of BNX Bandits, <laughs> get the uniform on, make a few flower bombs, get out there to Woodscrape Park. <laughs> That'd be good. Now, you might have, if you're listening to the show, you might have noticed a in-show sting we have for Vacro. And, look, it was a bit of a surprise for me last week that we played it, so I wasn't really 100% ready. But (laughs) I'll just give you a brief history of VACRA, which is the Victorian Association for the Care and Resettlement of Offenders. It was started in 1872 as a philanthropic trust after the Royal Commission into Prisons and Jails in Australia in 1871. So it's been going for a very, very long time and it's dedicated to the care and resettlement of offenders. It's almost 150 years. Yeah. Yeah. Started off with somebody making one donation and kept going. I'm sorry, they seem to have wiped. Anyway, so it is something that, as somebody once said to me, God, 17, 80, we're here. We opened as a prison on the first day, and we're still not doing all that well at it. <laughs> and this, this was the first Royal Commission, 1871. Mm. There was another one, 1970s, New South Wales. We have a rising prison population here in mm. Victoria. 
Having said that, we'll be back after this quick announcement. Bicycle and ride Neat the sunny skies over along the ocean side. 3CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Vacro Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics, and sells bikes to the local community. To find out more, Google Vacro or drop into the underground car park. Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. Yeah, get on that bicycle and ride. Neath the sunny skies or along the ocean side. You're back listening to 3CR and this today is our Bicycle Network Canada debate. <laughs> I think we agree on most things. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yes, of course. It's going to be pretty boring debate. <laughs> Talking about history of things, 1975 was the start of Bicycle Victoria, was it again? Oh, it wasn't Bicycle Victoria. Bicycle Institute. Institute of Victoria. Started off by a couple of well known Melbourne people uh, Keith Dunstan, Brian Dixon. I think Alan Bennett, I'm pretty sure, had a fairly big thing. Uh, the Farrens were one of the starting groups as well. I'm not sure if most people remember this. Cycling in the early 70s was, you had to be particularly brave. But interesting, there was that whole 10-speed, you know, 100 well, what's it cost $150 for a Roadmaster 10-speed road bike. But actually, the whole cycling thing was not what it was like. Keith Dunstan used to start writing articles in the Herald Sun and put a day trip up the Merry Creek on it. And these would appear every week then. And it really did begin to get people out on their bikes. That network, that association, is still going. And at the moment, there are uh, two seats on the board and the election is running from the 1st of October to the 16th of October, members can vote. And I think the results will be published at the annual general meeting coming up. On the 30th of October, that'll be. Yep. Now, a couple of of things. um, You have to be a member to vote, and you have to be a member for continually 12 months to vote as well. They've closed that. There used to be a little loophole in the bicycle network. Um, Anyway... Those two spots are empty. There are about eight or ten people standing. Eight, eight I think yeah. there is. Eight, yeah. Yep, I've had a chance to read some of the profiles. Jenica, why don't we start with you? What would you bring to Bicycle Network? So I've been doing just some cycling advocacy in my own spare time for the last sort of three years or so. Um, and so I guess I bring... a a passion and a, a genuine t- desire to get um, the right sort of outcomes for cycling safety for members and for, you know, you don't have to be a member to benefit from those cycling safety things, of course. But, um, you know, I've, I've got some experience with advocacy. Um, I ride my bike every day to work, so I understand what it's like actually 
out there on the roads with all the, the crazy drivers and all that sort of thing. Um, but also I, I do bring some corporate governance experience as well. Um, I've got 10 years experience as a chartered accountant as well. So in terms of um, making sure that, you know, things are working real, well from a governance perspective, there's, there's that as well. Faith? Um, well, I guess over the past 10 years in Melbourne, I've been involved in a few different areas of cycling. Um, a lot of the time sharing stories, but also engaging um, people who we don't see often on our bike paths in some areas of Melbourne, especially uh, helping get more women cycling and diverse communities from um areas of Melbourne where it's much trickier to cycle. I've helped train a lot of people to ride, but also talking and sharing stories both here on the radio show and in magazines and that about cyclists hear a lot from um, especially the people who've been really motivated to do something in their community um, about the sort of things they feel are missing or... um, the connections that aren't being made for them. So I think um, that experience of engaging people in cycling and how to, how to get more women engaged and how to get people from diverse communities, I think um, is something I'd be really hoping to be able to um, use with Bicycle Network. Uh, I'll just make a little observation. There are a lot of, I mean, the bugs, different groups there are a lot of and different councils too there are a lot of groups that have a say in this Jenica, do you see bicycle networks job as actually being more consultive with some of these people yeah look i think that bicycle network would do themselves a favor by being more consultative and collaborative with all these other cycling perspectives that are out there in the in the community um I see things like with the level crossing removal projects, for example, there's a lot of um, local community-based groups that pop up around specific projects. You know, there's the Upfield Corridor Coalition at the moment, for example, with the um, Bell Street um, and Moreland Road project that's happening. And and those sorts of little groups that pop up, they're popping up because there's a void or, or that the community feels that there's a void. And um, we know that in the background, Bicycle Networker, doing something on these projects and that they are consulted. But I I think that there's um, a communication gap, if nothing else, between what Bicycle Network may be doing in the background on those sorts of projects compared to what people out in the community actually hear from them about what's their position on this project, what are they actually advocating for in those conversations that are perhaps, you know, private or happening behind closed doors. Um, And so I think Bicycle Network at the very least, need to be asking their members in those local communities what they want to see um, on those sorts of projects. Um, and really, they could be tapping into a great source of local knowledge and enthusiasm and a bit of people power to get better outcomes. Yeah, and I think um, that the other side of the effect that I hear a lot of mm. is the the disillusionment that creates so I think one thing that really concerns me is considering the number of riders I speak to across a whole different range of groups, and that comes from this radio show and other things, is the vast majority don't belong to Bicycle Network. Mm. And when you ask them why, they, they there is this sense of disillusionment that 
some decisions in the past have um, they've felt not being good ones that um, Bicycle Network have supported things they disagreed with. Um, and that sort of engagement and communication with whether it's um, groups that pop up around level crossing projects or local bicycle user groups or school groups who are doing really good work with their local communities, no matter what it is, engaging with them, um, you know, and communicating about what you're advocating and why um, and bridging that gap can really help, I think, um, engage members again because Mm. this is um, one other thing with Bicycle Network. Their membership has not gone up. And, you know, they're now Australia-wide rather than Victoria only. Um, And if you want to be that strong organisation who's in a good position to argue resources for all cyclists all over Australia, um, you you need members. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I think that's – so there's that double benefit to that sort of engagement Janika is describing. The um, – and one of the interesting things is that I would love – Bicycle Network to be somebody that actually speaks for me as a normal commuter or somebody who doesn't go on long rides or things like that. The whole member thing is a little bit of a problem, I think, in some ways. Actually, how do you get people to join? And then you don't get a say unless you join. Well, I think Bicycle Network, it would be ideally they'd be able to claim they speak for cyclists in general, not just members. I mean, we you look at the RSCV and they speak for not yes. only their members. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's skills involved in managing a broad church of members. So the RSCV, there are always RSCV members who disagree with mm-hmm. something they say. But um, you – that's – that's part of an organisation's um, skill set. That's what you need to be able to do. And yeah. so you should be able to engage with all members from different areas and um, and they might not always agree with you, but the, if there's this open and honest discussion and communication mm. about what people are doing at different levels and why this can't happen or why, you know, um, it can, then... Um, I think you end up with less of that sense of disillusionment and disengagement than Mm. currently, you know. And the Bicycle Network strategy is they want to increase their membership to 100,000, but I can't see that happening if you don't have that very Mm. direct engagement. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And and I guess there's a perception out there in the cycling community um, to some extent that their needs are not being listened to or at the very least not being represented in the way that Bicycle Network um, advocate for certain things or the messages that they send out. Um, So, yeah, definitely you've got to find a way of um, breaking down that perception of not being listened to. And um, I think the best way to do that is to actually get out in those community groups and and directly engage them and ask them, you know, what's going on in this local community and and what support do you need from Bicycle Network? Because at the end of the day, Bicycle Network have a position of strength and a position of power 
to speak with government departments or councils or politicians and, you know, with it, with the membership base that they have, um, they do have the ability to say we speak for a large number of cyclists, maybe not everybody, but, you know, they can be advocating with a really strong voice. Um, and so I think people do look to them for that kind of um, advocacy on behalf of the cycling community. Um, but if they're going to do that effectively, they need to actually ask what the cycling yeah. community yeah. wants, you know. So, and, and as you say, that will benefit them directly with ultimately re-engaging should mean more members and it, it should be a virtuous circle from there. So. Yeah. Yeah. I find sometimes that at times like this, and I'm talking about the, you know, the last couple of years, sometimes we run our institutions down. That's why, we, you know, something from 1975 mm. that has been going strong can get fractured mm. because it's, well, we don't have, we're not sort of great institution people anymore. Well, and things, things have changed. Yeah. So, A, the idea of belonging to institutions is very different, but... Um, you know, in 1975, you you had a situation, I think it was Rupert Hamer who set up the bicycle advisory yep. sort of group. So politically, if you're arguing for infrastructure and that for cyclists now, you're in a very different situation. Mm. It's, um, you know, a very different environment. Um, yep. So organisations have to change and operate in different ways um, and find different ways to engage. But there's a lot of very passionate people out there who are working hard for good cycling outcomes in their local communities and there just seems to be this disconnect between them and what Bicycle Network are doing at the state government level. And um, it's not that one or the other is good or bad, but just there seems to be a bit of a lack of communication and engagement between the two. Yeah. And um, I think that would make Bicycle Network a much more effective organisation if that sort of could be brought back into the picture. Yeah, if it could speak like the RACV. Mm. Yeah. You know. And, you know, the RACV tell us that half of their members have bicycles and they have two million members. So yeah. that's a, almost a million Victorians who own a bicycle now, the Bicycle Network's membership is, I think, 50,000 or so. Yeah. So, you know, um, there's a lot more people who could be joining Bicycle Network. And um, yeah. mm. One of the – because Bicycle Network takes money off the state government, 40% of the board members must be female. How many percentage of the Bicycle Victoria, Bicycle Network's members. Is there a gen? What's the gender split in the members? I don't know. No, no. you'd only be guessing. Yeah. yeah, not sure. And you know, Bicycle Network has had forty percent on the board for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And you know, that's part of what you're saying is it needs to actually do a little bit more on that side. Well, yeah, and you know, I remember when training women confidence classes and that. You know, it come, It boils down to the issues like how do you deal with um, being abused on the bike path? How mm. do you deal with um, just the the perception that it's harder for women to ride and that? And I think, you know, that's another of Bicycle Network's stated goals and um, strategic goals is to increase the diversity amongst their members. And that's a really p important part of also engaging this wider community of riders. Mm. Well, so the election's coming up. 
you've got uh, the 16th that closes. Yep. Get out there. And you can vote for two members. You can vote for two um, members. And Janique and I both think we'd be really happy to work together yep. and um, have a lot of really similar ideas. So if you have a look at the Bicycle Network website, you can check out all the candidates and read their statements um, and then uh, cast your votes. Exactly. And, look, both of you, very best of luck. I, you know, I have a lot of faith in Bicycle Network. Look, I don't agree with a lot of the things I did, but I was always a cycle angel, and I always, you know, there. It's a great thing, yeah. You know, yep. and but the grassroots thing is the bit they sometimes miss. Yeah. Now, that's all. We that's have. all we have time <laughs> for today. Three <laughs> CR um, relies on the support of its listeners to stay on the air. So, if you'd like to donate or subscribe, you can do that at three cr.org.au. Coming up next is Shebop. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.